Welcome in to another edition of the Tapping the Keg podcast, episode, episode 469. Very nice number. We're talking Packer training camp storylines to start the training camp season. We're talking Brewer trade deadline scenarios and probably Brewer hot streak a little bit and how to survive a bash party in your late early 30s. All that and much more with my guy, Mitch. Producer Lil, not in the room today, so just me. Um, hanging in there, Mitch on the other side of the Zoom. What's happening, bud? How you doing? Well, I am tired. Uh, yeah, you're running. Is, you're, you, but... you did this. You, if you did this out of the goodness of your heart, I mean, I think in most, I think on most weeks, we're probably taping Thursday, just having a Friday show. Um, but you're, uh, you're battling for the boys. Yeah, I mean, I'll live, but I was up. The show I played on Tuesday night ran a little long, um, you know, probably 45 minutes longer or so than I would have hoped. And so I didn't get to sleep till about one in the morning. I get up at six, you know, most days. And, and uh, naturally, the boss of the day job texted me uh, on Tuesday during the day telling me to be in at seven because we had a safety meeting and it's like <laughs> you know I told him I'll do my best and then I texted him uh, Wednesday morning saying I'll uh I'll be there by seven but it's like of course you know um I couldn't right. really say anything because they, they gave me the day off on Tuesday uh unexpectedly right. so um they kind of got me by the balls for a while but um yeah so yeah show was good fun time but there were six bands and it went long and you know, it was probably never going to be done by 11 or anything like that, but it ended up going until after midnight. Um, so, yeah, it's about one o'clock when I when I rolled over. And right. uh, so, yeah, here I am. So my I'd say my brain's working about 60 percent, which some might say that seems high. But, little, uh, little Dave Portnoy noodle brain a little bit for you. You're a little noodle. That's OK. That's sometimes that can bring out good content. Right. Like. You're just a little looser. You're, you know, you're not more stream of consciousness. I think that's all right, but I hear you. And then we'll probably be noodle brain for at least three days after, after the bachelor party that we're going to both be at uh, starting today. Yeah. So it's, it's just noodle brain city until, uh, gosh, I don't know. Um, it's a kind of a sprint. Um, it was a, it's a quiet July for the most part for me. And now, now this picks up the pace until really it's really a sprint for a month because got our friend Murph's wedding friend of the program Murph's wedding we have my birthday we have my anniversary got a lot happening you know um some other stuff potentially cooking too so I mean it's all good shit man um but anyways speaking of things starting to cook Green Bay Packers are back first practice in the books it's done um, people are already predicting the Packers for an undefeated season or for a seven and 10 start. I'm just kidding. Uh, but there are obviously going to be headlines. Um, you have everybody tweeting out literally every play, um, lineups, all this other bullshit, which I could, we've done before and I could go on a diatribe. I'm not going to go there, but you look at storylines, you look at what things fans, you guys will care about the next couple of weeks as we, before we even hit to the preseason games. And I'm going to offer you a hot take here, Mitch, that I think the Packer fan base, the normal Packer fan 
is more worried about David Bakhtiari's knee than whatever is going on in the receiver room. Do you think that's hot, or do you think that's actually probably a reasonable take at this point? Uh, I think that's I think that's accurate. Um, I think it's reasonable. I, I think it's uh, the whole Bakhtiari thing is seems to get I don't want to I don't know weirder every day. It's just you know they're, they're well god forbid there's clarity you know um i mean i will say to that, be fair he did meet with the media he told matt schneidman and other beat reporters that it's been a nightmare um quote unquote so yeah. i mean so well, at least there is that where he's saying he's saying like hey this is this is not acknowledging it right yeah yeah well and, and i thought i, I heard brian gutekunst presser i don't know if that was from wednesday morning or if that was tuesday yeah, afternoon but i heard it when a couple times on wednesday and <laughs> obviously the first topic the first question he's asked is about bakhtiari and i thought he was you know goody is is just as good as the rest of them <laughs> in terms of wisconsin sports gms at saying nothing yeah. but i thought he sounded very like he did a lot of clearing of the throat when he was answering that question and, you know, I'm getting, I'm really getting, you know, aggressive here, but it, it just seemed like he was very kind of nervous answering that question. Like he, and you know, and maybe it's because I want, that's what I wanted to hear, but it just seemed like he, he didn't seem real enthusiastic about, about, about talking about Bakhtiari at the moment. And um, yeah, he just seemed very, like I said, a lot of clearing of the throat, just seemed nervous to, to talk about, to answer that question and discuss that topic so that leads me to believe that there is you know it, it's it's not good um and like i said the lack of clarity as each day goes by i understand we're very early in training camp and we're going to talk about all the injuries and stuff but uh, you know so maybe maybe not be total freak out mode yet but you know if he has to get tons and tons of fluid drained from his knee every time he does something it's not good. And, and, I, and I'm not at the point like some people maybe or, or, or are ready to go there of like trying to get out of this contract. But, you know, when he's healthy and, you know, before the knee injury, um, he's one of the best left tackles in the game, if not the best. And I think that you're going to need that guy to win the Super Bowl. I know they have some decent depth, but then you also have the Elton Jenkins injury. And, you know, that depth is going to be tested. They drafted a bunch of offensive linemen. But, you know, <laughs> who knows what they're thinking? Josh Nijman is, was, was nice filling in, but it doesn't seem like Rodgers has a ton of trust in him um, or LaFleur or whoever made that call in the playoff game. Stenovich, yeah. I mean, it's Stenovich now is your offensive coordinator. So if Stenovich thought the moment was too big for him, like what does that say? What does that yeah. say to start the season, right? And if right. you're down and, Jenkins and Bakhtiari. Now, I did a big schedule pod today or yesterday just kind of doing like hot takes and I did I kind of forgot or kind of reminded myself today how easy their schedule is to start the season like Bears Vikings new coaches that's that's an adjustment Bears pass rush is a is a factor it's a worry I guess Buccaneers obviously is going to be a bitch that pass rush but could you maybe figure it out a little bit? Yeah, and Josh Nyman did a good job against that San Francisco pass rush the first time around. That's why the whole playoff thing was so puzzling. And I don't know if we'll ever get that answer. 
I don't know if that answer will come when Rogers writes his autobiography, which you know he will write one. Like, will we get will we get it then? Um, but yeah, it seems like, and this is me without a medical medical degree. Um, I'm as good as that like fake doctor, you know, the meme of the uh, young African American child that that was a fake doctor. Yeah, yeah that's me. Yep. That's me. I forget the kid's name, but that's me. Um, and but it seems like Bakhtiari was basically hiding a lot of knee problems. And I'm not blaming him per se, because I've done this in my own life without being an athlete, where you you kind of know something's wrong. You know something's up, but you don't go to a doctor right away. You don't tell the doctor, hey, doc, like my lower back's giving me problems or my, you know, my hamstring has been bothering me for X amount of, of months. And you just kind of ride it out. And then lo and behold, when they're working on something else, they're like, hey, there's a lot going on here. Like Schneidman said, like in his piece, like there's, it's not about the ACL tear anymore. It's about everything else going on in that knee. And it's, mm-hmm. and sometimes you hear that from old people too, where they're like, oh yeah, like don't, don't even ask. Like once you get your knee worked on, then they find something else wrong. And then before you know it, you're getting your knee replaced. And so I don't know. And it's, well, and, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's the mental thing too. I'm sure a little bit, oh. um, especially you come back for play a half of a game and you know, it's, it's had this much of a after effect. Uh, and also too, like our friend Seth, who, who is a doctor, you know, yes. as far as I know, Dr. Big and has, has said, you know, the ACL surgery and recovery, I guess, has has become more routine, but we, we do take for granted that it is still a pretty major operation, especially for a professional athlete who is, uh, you know, testing their the potential of their body, you know, on a daily basis. So, you know, I, you know, but it's, it's still at that point where we're, you know, we're a year and a half out from or, or more from the yeah. surgery. And, um, at some point I think it's fair to, fair to wonder. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really do. And I, th- I think that we'll have to see what happens. It'll be an ongoing story that I think not only will be an early training camp story, it might be a full five week story that we're talking about oh, yeah. heading up. And at this point, I, I don't think you have to plan without David Bakhtiari, but I think you're getting closer and closer and, I'll be honest, my podcast on Monday looks a little foolish because I was like, don't freak out about this. And but I didn't know that he had another procedure. I didn't know what was all going on. That that sometimes happens when the Packers don't give you all the insight, which they don't have to do. Um, that's not their job. Other storylines, we kind of touched on the re- receivers. I think that will be a big deal. Um, I think people will watch the receivers every day. They had a good first day. Um you know, people were going crazy about a catch Lazard made. Winfrey made a really nice grab. Um, Dobbs also did too. Like, I think there are going to be good days. There are going to be bad days. I just think with the receivers, I think until depth charts are out, until we've seen these guys actually play in preseason, even if it's just preseason, I don't think we can make any broad statements about these receivers. No, I don't think you can. Uh until you see a preseason game, it's a lot of, a lot of spring training and baseball vibes totally. right? where it's just kind of, 
everything right now is probably on air. They're in shorts. Uh, I'm guessing no pads. Um, just a helmet with that weird pad on top that, yeah, I, that I see JJ, JJ Watts. We did a picture out. He, he was wearing it too. I assume that's just extra protection from head injuries and yep. in training camp and stuff. Not a bad idea. I mean, they'll never wear that in games, but sure. that's a pretty good idea for, for practices and training camps. Um, but yeah, so I mean, and you're catching passes from one of the best quarterbacks of all time too. So uh, on air. So he'd like to think the ball's on the money more often than not. And, um, but once you get into game action, you'll have a much better idea on a lot of these guys. And, and, and they're, they're going to have to depend on somebody at some point this season. You know, I don't know who that might be. Christian Watson, is he, he's not practicing yet, right? No, he, he's battling an injury. Uh, Gutekou said that Watkins will be back in the short term and yeah. Watson's going to take a little more time. So I think with Watson, you get a little nervous. Like I know LaFleur complimented him on picking up the offense pretty quickly um, in minicamp, but I don't think you want Watson gone longer than two weeks. Cause then I think you start to worry a little bit about, all right, how far behind is this guy going to be? Is he going to be ready to play meaningful snaps week one? I just, I think those questions start to get raised. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing he's going to be, he's going to be, uh, you know, a big part of down the oh, stretch, yeah. I, I would hope. I oh, mean, he's, he's, he's a rookie, but I, I would give him, you know, eight to 10 games at least probably of, of time to, you know, dip his foot in the pool a little bit before he, you know, before I expect, you know, major, major contributions, um, you know, so we'll see what, what, what it looks like in the early going from him yeah absolutely i i think that's i think that's definitely true and i think you're you're gonna see you're gonna see more of him as the year progresses um definitely a guy that the story will not be written in the first few weeks as you said um and i think that's the case with dobbs i even think that's the case with like a guy like juan winfrey who i wouldn't say i'm on like juan winfrey island but i would say that i'm like looking at flights to Juwan Winfrey Island. Like I, I just, I see it. I kind of do. And that's not even just like a one day training camp. Like I just saw it while he was playing. Did I think like the game was a little too fast for him when he was in that Arizona game? Yeah. But you could kind of just see some raw talent. And I always trust Aaron Rodgers. and Aaron Rodgers seems like he has the utmost confidence in Alan Lazard. And to me, like that holds a lot of weight. That, and that isn't just me being a Rodgers guy or whatever. It's just, I don't know, man, when you're when the best quarterback in football and by a lot of margins, you know, Mike Sandoz tier uh, column that basically got ESPN content for three days, like they should be paying Mike and he works for the athletic. Like he's the number one guy. And if he's that guy, like he's going to make a lot of guys around him better. Yeah, I think Alan Lazard is interesting too, just because uh, kind of the way he handled the contract situation was, you know, he ended up signing, but I don't, he didn't do any of like the stuff, you know, in, in this more in the spring. I mean, he didn't, he didn't do anything to, um, you know, 
ingratiating ingratiating himself. Yeah, he he, he acted like he acted like he act, he acted like he's better than he is. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I I I will be curious. I mean, you bring up a good point. Like, would that will that affect him if he starts if he starts slow? Like, will Rogers and Lafleur scheme up less things for him and be like, all right, this is just who he is, and like we're going to have to put it together with the other guys. And, you know, some people, a lot of the fantasy boys feel like Aaron Jones is going to be that number one guy, no matter what. Um, and that Aaron Jones yeah. will sort of be wide receiver one and running back one, which I don't agree with. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't mean that as like a wide receiver one no, I, fantasy, but like, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see that. I don't think that's how the Packers offense works. Right. I, I mean, I agree with you. I, you know, I think Matt LaFleur could be more creative than we've probably seen yeah. the first couple of years. Right. But I mean, I don't like that. I don't like all the talk about, well, you have all the, you have your, the running backs too. And I get that they're playmakers, but to have to rely on those guys just really, really kind of bothers me. And, and yeah. frankly, I, I told you guys in, in the chat, I mean, you know, Aaron Jones, I think is a little bit overrated. Um, you know, is he a three down back? No. Uh, AJ Dillon is, is also, I mean, he, he's not a nice player, but I, I feel like he hasn't proved very much. Yeah. I think, I think some of the AJ Dillon stuff is, I think AJ Dillon's the type of guy that needs more consistency where he just needs to be toting the rock more and more. And I think kind of once you get that guy going downhill, all of a sudden something springs and you run, you have a 50 yard run. It's similar to Derrick Henry. Um, it's not, I'm yeah. not saying he is Derrick Henry, but it's that similar style of just battering Ram and kind of, yeah, he, more of the, more of the gets better as the game goes on. Oh, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Very cliche, but yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah I'll be interesting. I mean, so talk about yeah, about the it's offense. not really his fault. It's it's not AJ necessarily AJ Dillon's fault. I feel like no. he's been brought along pretty slowly, which is which is fine. Um, and, and the Packers are always very cautious of Aaron Jones, which is why I you know I kind of don't understand the the fans, you know, and maybe media relying on the fact that oh Aaron Jones is there and he can be. Is it because he caught an eighty yard pass or whatever it was in the in the playoffs? I don't know, that, maybe. I'll tell you this. I will – and, like, I realize no one cares about your fantasy team, but, like, I'm probably not drafting Aaron Jones before the seventh spot. And I think there will be people that draft Aaron Jones earlier than that. In Wisconsin? I really do. Yeah, probably. Well, it was, no, I, yeah, definitely in my Wisconsin drafts, but I think overall, I think there are a lot of – there's a lot of stock in Aaron Jones, and I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Let's talk about the offense – or defense, excuse me. We've done a lot of the offense and – we're on a little bit of a pitch count tonight. Um, so I really think the biggest thing with the defense is will Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt start out the gate? It, one or two. Um, I know they both were working with ones. I don't, I'm not going to make a big deal out of that. Again, it goes back to the receivers. I need to see it in preseason. I need to actually see depth charts. So I guess – yeah. If you had to pick between Wyatt or Walker, which one would you say is more likely to start game one against Minnesota? Um, today, gun to my head, I'd probably say Wyatt. 
Okay. Um, Interesting. This is, I think Walker's more of a project and or have will they figure out how exactly to use him? I do like the idea of Quay Walker being a Micah Parsons type. Mm-hmm. That's going to get real, real sexy. Oh, yeah. I think in football, um, I think he's he's probably that that level of athlete. But I, I feel it isn't. I mean, Wyatt is more of the finished project product. Am I, am oh, I, yeah. am I wrong in that? No, you're not wrong. I mean, he's he's 24 years old. I mean, the whole thing with Wyatt was that he was too old for the Packers. Now, one of the things too, which I I bring up because I like content and we really probably should find a time for me to do the hot dog challenge. Cause I believe I said, you know, I'd eat like nine hot dogs um, in nine innings and nine beers if they drafted Wyatt and sure enough, they did. Um, so we'll have to look for a time on that. I'll try to keep myself accountable. I'm sure people forgot, but you know what? I'm a man of principle, man of honor, and I have to respect that. And yeah, I, I think why it's not a bad idea. I mean, Jaron Reed's there, Dean Lowry's there. Yeah. So you're going to have. I forgot Ron- about Jaron Reed. It, admittedly, I forgot about Jaron Reed. It's, but I, I, mean, I think I will stand by Paul because, you know. Do no, we think Chris Barnes is Chris Barnes is just going to get thrown to the scrap heap right away? I like Chris Barnes. I know he's yeah. he's struggled a little bit here and there, but like I like what Chris Barnes brings to the table. Um, and yeah, I I don't know. I think you're I think you're kind of onto something. I was more on the side of Walker. I was like, you know, that's why I kind of was like, oh, interesting, because like I I would have probably said Walker because of the read angle, because of just how they rotate those defensive linemen in, um, but you made a really compelling point about like, yeah, he's going to be this, he could be this Michael Parsons type guy and that's going to take some time. And that doesn't exactly equate to a starting linebacker, but who knows, right? Who knows what that will look like by the end of it, you know? And I just think, I just think that like, if you're, if you're asking me who's, who's lined up on the first snap week one, more likely it's probably Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, he probably has more snaps. I would say that might have been the better question. Who has more snaps week one? If I was a professional podcaster, that would have been my question because that's the question. And I think Wyatt is the answer. I think you just, you'll see him more. I think you'll have him do more. And it just takes a little longer um, for the linebackers. But he might be right. And if he's ready to go and he beats out Chris Barnes, then giddy up. Like I, yeah. I have no problem with either of them starting week one. I've right, and, and I, I think if, if Chris Barnes is your is your third middle linebacker, you can do way worse than that. And, oh, and then great, he will be basically. Great problem to have. Would definitely not be a guy I would say is on like the quote unquote chopping block. Um, and then there's that. Look, look at the Packers with a sudden glut of middle linebackers. Yeah, inside linebackers. Who would have thought? Like, who would have thought? Can right? you believe it? Right. It's unbelievable. And, but having said that, um, I am. Just Devondre Campbell, I real quick, like, I guess we'll have to figure out if he is, which player is he? Is he the all-pro inside linebacker, or is he the guy that the Falcons released, you know, this time last year? I guess probably somewhere in the middle. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, no, um, it's fair. I mean, you you have that wondering, is this guy, like, we always refer to it as the Bill Hall theory, right? Like a guy in a yeah. contract year goes off, is incredible, like Bill Hall was. And then after he got his money, it was absolute trash. And I'm not saying that's what Devondre Campbell will be. Um, he's a good tackler, 
But yeah, it'll be fascinating to monitor that. I do think Joe Barry's system helps middle linebackers. And I do think that there's actually a chance maybe Campbell could be better only because Kenny Clark's better because of Jaron Reed. Like Kenny Clark finally has some help. And I think that's going to pay dividends for Kenny Clark. Like I think, yeah, I am. If you did a Packers stock market game, which maybe we could do in August, like I think I have, I probably put my most of my stock, not most, but I put a lot of stock in Kenny Clark having an awesome year. Yeah, I mean him or him or Rashawn Gary for me probably. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, because I feel pretty good about those guys for sure. Um, the Rashawn Gary I, I feel stuff like is. It, is not. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You, you were starting. I was going to say, I feel like it, it, it's Devondre Campbell or um, Rasul Douglas who probably scare me the most in terms of regression candidates. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'm, uh, you know, blowing any minds there. But other than that, I mean, I feel pretty – I mean, Dean Lowry is what he is. He's basically a body. Um, but you don't feel horrible, I guess, with him. Right. Um, and we'll see. We'll see if Stokes is ready. Um, to take the next step. But, yes, I, I do like Rashawn Gary, I think, uh, possibly just as much as Kenny Clark. I think that just that added depth on the front seven is going to do him even – I mean, they, they just have so much depth on the front seven. It's, right. It is wild. I mean, they really they really doubled down on their defense on the draft, obviously, much to the chagrin of, of us and <laughs> us fans. Yeah. But – you know, it, make, it makes sense when you think about it. And um, now they have to go out and, and do it every week. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with your take as much about, like, this defense needs to be all-world every week. I think that – Well, it doesn't need to be all-world, but can I can they, can they be top ten all season in, I, you know, yeah, I mean, the major I, categories? If we use – if we just say, all right, top ten DVOA, which is kind of the known – advanced defensive metric that a lot of people use. If you say, okay, they're top 10 DVOA um, all year, which is defensive value over, oh shit. I know the, I just sometimes with advanced stats, I never want us to seem too nerdy on this show because I like, I I know sometimes the common fan is not, is not defense adjusted defense, defense and adjusted value over average so okay. basically defensive like war yeah exactly what it is and they have offensive dvoa they have you know for players whatever um epa is the big one for quarterbacks these days and air yards if you will um and if and if people don't know kind of what that is it essentially is a play how much better than average is a player yeah like replacement exactly. level how much yeah. i mean how much are they not, you know, how much are they helping you versus costing you games, not impacting yeah. games at all? I will say this. If they, Minnesota is a great test week one, um, even with a new coach, that's a very hot, potent offense. If they hold Minnesota down. That's a big sign moving forward. Chicago is kind of a throwaway offense. And then you get another test with Tampa. And I think that well, until that, until the Packers a, give up 120 rushing yards to Justin, Justin Fields, and we're all losing our minds. Eh, I <laughs> look, man. I think the Bears. I I think the Bears will have a chance at top five pick, and I don't know if Justin Fields is their quarterback next year. 
I'll say that right now. I, I, you, I, I sell me all your Justin Fields stock, or I will sell all my Justin Fields stock. I do not. I just don't see it. I really don't. I don't. I don't know why you. I mean, they they definitely fucked that up. Um, yeah. As the Bears no, do. I, look, I I might be overreacting, and I could be wrong. But like, tell me the last great Ohio State quarterback that has come out and been good and good in the pros. He can't. Well, yeah, he can't. And right. And I th- like, I just think more of the whole like front office slash ownership. hundred oh, percent management type of handling of that situation where it's like you should have got rid of pace and uh numb nuts Matt you know Nagy. before last season matt Nagy, yeah. and 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 had a clean break but instead as the bears do you know they they are a pretty poorly run organization the last 30 years for the most part and they 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 make decisions based on their emotions and um was, I don't know, poorly handled. Oh. Um, but I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll see what Justin Fields is made of, I suppose, yeah. this year. So, totally. Yeah. And well, I'm sure we'll talk more about him as the year goes on. Moving on to baseball, um, trade deadlines looming. Um, it will be on Monday. Knowing how our luck works, is the Brewers will probably make a deal tomorrow while yep. flight, flying, having to do content. Like, I'll probably have to do it from the airport. Who knows? Um, I'll do it from the Airbnb. I don't give a shit, right? If I have to do content, I'll do content. But uh, there are obviously a lot of ways that this can go. Um, there are a lot of guys available. Um, I feel like this is a pretty robust trade to line. Besides like a lockdown closer, coincidentally enough, there are no closers available besides David Robinson from the uh, Cubs. He's like 37. So I, I don't know if he, to me, like, I don't and he's having he a, he's having a good, he's having a good year, but right. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if the Packers or the Packers, the Brewers really, well, sure. I mean, I'd take him, I guess. Well, bullpen's been, been kind of shaky lately. I, I uh, so, and that we can start with that scenario. Um, so what I'm going to do, we're going to play a little game here. And we're going to evaluate different scenarios and how you would feel. And hopefully we're doing a podcast Tuesday night um, after the deadline uh, and talking about this. Probably maybe you could even do it Monday, Wednesday. But, like, how will we feel about it? And scenario one, since you mentioned that, that the Brewers get two solid middle relievers. Examples could be Anthony Bass from the Marlins, could be Andrew Chafin from the Detroit Tigers. You know, a couple of guys that are have been kind of thrown around. Robinson, I think, would be more of a late-in receiver guy. But would you be – and that's like their – that's like their major move. Maybe they make another move a little bit, like, to build their bench. But that's really their major move. Are you okay with that? Or are you like, they left a little meat on the bone? Just going out and getting, like, two bullpen arms? Yeah. Um. I'd, I'd probably be okay with it, I guess. I mean, prisoner of the moment, the offenses look pretty good since the all-star break. I don't want to, I don't want to get, I don't want to get um, too head over heels about that. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I've discussed with you on this podcast and otherwise like, you know, double, maybe double down on pitch to say, fuck it. And, you know, there aren't any, 
great bats out there that make a ton of sense that are that are reasonable. I mean, of course, Juan Soto would be tremendous. I'm sure we could find so, a spot. Shohei Otani, yeah. I would right, I would, right. Well, Otani would be great because he's uh, you know, he fills two roles. Mitch, I uh, would probably trade my entire farm system for Otani. Like Otani, I think is going to be traded. I that's I'll give you another hot take. I think Otani well, gets dealt. Yeah. No, no, no. I think he gets dealt before Monday, Tuesday. Wow. Uh huh. I Trout's back yeah. thing. Did you read that Trout back thing? I just saw on the bottom line. I'm watching the Yankees and Mets that he has a quote, pretty rare back condition. He says it's not as bad as people are making it out to be. He's like, it's way overblown. I was getting a bunch of texts. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like our good friend Ryan Braun. That's the first yeah. thing I thought of when I read it. I was like, oh. Or our, or our, or our friend Christian Yelich. Yeah, maybe. Again, I, look, he fixed the swing, Mitch. As I said on Twitter this morning, this afternoon, everybody's invited back on Yelich Island come, come September. We have drinks. Yeah. Um, we barbecue on, on Saturdays. Everybody's invited. No one will be, will be turned down at the bar. Um, I'll <laughs> welcome you all back. But anyways, um, not to go off on that tangent. Otani, you, th- you think Otani's gone? Just I, like that. I just, I don't know, man. Like he has a well, really cheap contract. He has right. a year, he has a year and a half left on his deal. Like right. to me, well, isn't it easier it's, it's to move more, him? Is it is it easier to move him than Juan Soto? Yes, that's what I was gonna say. I think it's more like my thing is well, first of all, Juan Soto will go to the Cardinals matter of when. And I and I don't think I don't think I would be surprised if he got moved this year. I just unless the Cardinals really bend over the barrel. I think for uh well the other kind of variable about the Soto thing is they want people to probably take that Patrick Corbin contract and yeah. Patrick Corbin's the worst pitcher in baseball. Like he, he, well, Dallas Keuchel got another, another contract, which is incredible. Um, what an agent Dallas Keuchel has. Um, but like, he's right there. Keuchel and Corbin are awful. And that I think is a huge factor in this. And I saw that with Moustakis too, where they, the Reds really want to move off of Moustakis. And it seems like if you're going to get Luis Castillo, they kind of want you to take Moustakis too. That, yeah. That's tough. I mean, I, we had a friend suggest Moustakis and I looked at his war. He's been terrible since going to the Reds, yeah. which by the way, yeah. a lot of people didn't like that. And sure. They wouldn't come, come with their tails between their legs mean how fucking wrong they were about stocks and ground down and giving them all that money that's okay yeah well on that it's more about the principle of it than it is I, the I actual know, but production I, look man i understand we all think mark ananasio is cheap and we all want to we all want to act like this is it but like at the end of the day sometimes these moves make sense they're yeah, they, no. they hit their peak and the ground thing was a fluke we went over this a couple weeks ago i think when we talked about this yeah so, yeah, no, I, I think I think they're I you know I'm fine with them not bringing either of those guys back at this point. I've I've moved on from that, but we love to bring that up. We love I to bring the name Mike Moustakis up on this podcast. Listen, man, I was fucking right, okay, and I'm I'm insufferable <laughs> sometimes when I'm right about something. I like holding things over people's head. I'm like Aaron Rodgers and Patty, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So we have the middle relief. If we went instead, if you're like, all right, instead of getting middle relievers, 
we got we upgraded our outfield. We upgraded center field or a guy who can play multiple positions in the outfield, whether that's Ben Intendi, whether that's Ramon Lariano, um, since you said I butchered it last time. Um, you know, are you would you be happy with that? Or do you feel like it, the Brewers are still status quo and you just would rather see what Tyrone Taylor and John Davis can do? I mean, Laureano would be awesome. I mean, that would be fantastic because he fills a need. He has some team control. Um, probably wouldn't be the most expensive player. He's got, you know, long-term. He's got one of the best arms. You'd have Renfro <laughs> and Laureano. I mean, oh, not really God. running on, on anybody. Walker and then Yelich kind of brings them back to the pack. But, <laughs> I mean, right. but, but, then, but, but then you're probably, you're probably DHing Yelich more often right. than not. You could that, DH Yelich a little bit more, rotate him in with McCutcheon. Um, you know, if you really are like, we need the defense and put Jonathan Davis in there too. Um, yeah. I would imagine he, he would, he would probably not be on the roster. If no, he, he, gets sent down. he gets sent down. You're right. You're right. That's, that's accurate. I, I don't, here's the thing with the, the center field stuff. Like I wish Tyrone Taylor didn't strike out as much as he does. Like, I think Tyrone Taylor's close. Yeah. I just think he is. He's like a little bit off. It's not a yeah, quad eight. He's been, a, go ahead. Been disappointing, I would say. He had a really hot streak in like May. Yeah. Wasn't it? And you know, I fortunately he probably like a fourth outfielder at this point, which is basically what he is. I mean, I guess he pretty much is the everyday center fielder, I guess, at, at this moment. That's true. But I, I just think that they will have to probably address that. Um at some point you probably could survive the rest of this year and, and it wouldn't necessarily change the outcome of the season. But uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, he's been a little, little bit of a disappointment. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know if the glove is so good that, you know, no. he needs to be in there. So he's no, probably no, a fourth no. or fifth outfielder. No, I agree. Um, okay. Now the scenario that would likely He's best for content, but would drive fans crazy. Brewers do nothing. Brewers sit on their hands, let the deadline go by. Or I guess I, I will say that them sitting on their hands equals probably they keep getting outbid by the Braves, by the Mets, by the Yankees, Astros. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel about Dodgers too included there? Like what are it's like a it's like a Packer situation where all the, all the insiders are saying, well, the, you know, X, X team was much more aggressive than Milwaukee who was also in the running, you know, and yeah, they just make they're, in the like, look, they're in the conversation. They're in the conversation. Exactly. Right. Yes. Cause isn't that what, isn't that what Schefter tweeted about Julio Jones? But that, yeah, that, uh, but I think, I think that that Tampa was, was much more aggressive than green Bay. It was cute that Julio's agent put that out there. Um, green Bay's yeah, love to be exactly. used as fucking leverage. Um, yeah. Schefter probably asked the, the agent if that was okay to tweet out like do you want me oh, to say probably. aggressive like what adjective should i use it's aggressive is that cool um but anyways uh so they sit on their hands yeah how are you how are you feeling i realize there's some prisoner moment type shit here because they, they've won five of their last six things vibes are high right now but i i could understand if you're feeling a little differently yeah i mean that's tough because and that's what I was going to say is with the 
and it is Colorado and Minnesota. I mean, yes. I hate to do that to you, but I, but I will. No, no, and it's I look. I said it. I think I don't know who I said it. I don't know if I said it on podcast. I don't know if I said it on fucking review. But like, I acknowledge that Colorado is a bad road team, and they're a bad pitching staff. It, Minnesota is not a good pitching staff. I I do find it interesting. The la- the only thing I'll add, and then I'll let you go, is like I do find it interesting that they were so good against Minnesota offensively the last two games compared to the two games in, in Minnesota. Um, that's, that's all I'll say. About it. And I, but yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I feel like I'm a prepubescent boy again, just, uh, you know, confused with what, yeah. what, what we need because I think standing pat sucks. Um, yeah. but I, I could, it, however, you know, I don't know. Stearns always always makes a bullpen move, right? Um, maybe that's Jake McGee. I don't know, but oh, but he didn't. I mean, I guess he got got through. He gave up that home run, but then he settled in. I didn't. I was unfortunately I had to start work or I had a meeting during McGee's outing, so I don't. I didn't really watch. It was like one of the only parts of the game I missed today. But yeah, yeah I, I didn't mean, realize maybe, he pitched today. Yeah, he gave a home, he gave a home run on us, Chris Batter, um, and then he settled in, but. Um, still, yeah, it'll be interesting if McGee is that move. I think it's a tough pill to swallow. I agree with you. I am one that is more on the organizational side, but I will right. concede well, that it, it's tough because you just have to assume the Dodgers and Mets are going to make moves and maybe the Cardinals yeah. and maybe the Padres, the Braves. Like, well, everyone else around you makes moves. If you sit on your hands and do nothing, that's – that's pretty cocky. And that's and that's the thing is like behind closed doors is David Stern saying we really have a chance to beat these teams in the playoffs. Yeah. Regardless of you know a, a Juan Soto move standing. And I don't, I don't even know if he would make enough of a difference. No, it's I just look, one guy. Look, the Cardinals need pitching. That's the dirty secret of this this whole Soto thing is like the Cardinals need maybe not just one guy. Like if I were the Cardinals, what I would do is I'd be trying to figure out how do I get Castillo and Molly from the Reds and get both those guys both under control. And how do I get both of them? And that would be my move because they don't like, I don't know how Wainwright's doing the night, but Wainwright has struggled on the road for the last couple of years of his career. He's pitching tonight in Toronto. Um, Nicholas has been Wainwright been being vaccinated. That's a, that's a little bit of I, listen. I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I always look at the pitching matchups and stuff, and I saw that Wainwright was pitching tonight, and I was like, "That fucker got vaccinated!" Like I, I, yeah. I mean, that upset of the year he, for sure. I thought upset one right now. What's that? You, you broke up a little bit on us. What, what did you say? So they're, he, they're, up, they're up in the fifth inning in Toronto. So the Cardinals are. Oh. So he's doing all right. Yeah. So maybe, well, just shoving it, just shoving it right, right in my old, right in my face there. But yeah. So we'll see what the Brewers do. I think they are going to make a move. I'd be I, like, to your point, I'd be stunned if they didn't do something. And we'll, we'll certainly see. 
what happens next. It'll be fun to watch the crew on Friday with Woodruff on the mound in Boston as we go for a bachelor yeah. party. Um, your first time in Fenway, my second time in Fenway. I'm very concerned about how many big guys we have because Fenway is not a is not a big guy stadium. It's a small ass right. stadium. Seats are small. It's gonna be tight. Like if I get an aisle seat, I'm gonna be be feeling great about myself. Um, but we'll see, we'll just see. We'll just ride it out. You know what I mean? It's uh, it'll be fun nonetheless. And trying to survive a bachelor party in your mid in your early thirties, maybe your mid thirties, is tough. It's not like we're not. Our bodies aren't built for three straight days of just getting professionally faced. Like I, I just can't. I don't know. I'm gonna have to gonna have to put on the drink management shoes, especially during the day, Friday and Saturday. That's I think really where it will be won and lost. We'll separate the winners from the losers, <laughs> in my opinion. I was just gonna say that's that's where it's gonna be. That's that's the trenches right there. That's where it's won and lost. Right. Is the is the handling of the the daytime stuff. Yeah, I mean it's been been a minute probably for me. I think since I've had you know probably. Well, I was uh, not even probably not even last summer for years because that was a Friday night, Saturday, you know, all day, right. all day, Saturday. We, we got, we got after it pretty good. Oh, um, yeah. all time on that Saturday. This is, yes. this is, you're talking two days of that. Um, right. Basically just nonstop. Um, going to have a beer in your hand probably at all times type of type of affair. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess I wish I was more experienced, but you're absolutely right that, you know, and I, I'm not going to lie that has crossed my mind that, you know, I will say I'm, I'm not as concerned um, in terms of, because we both went to front of the pods, Eric's in, in Vegas in 2016, which right. is, you know, six years ago now when we were in our, you know, late twenties, mid to late twenties, you know? Um, and I could still dial it up pretty good back then, but now, now, yeah. I mean, you know, looking at, looking at the, uh, the uh, itinerary and the list of supplies that we're going to need, I think there was like 400 water, bo- water bottles somebody put on the thing. And it was like, that's pretty excessive, but not really. If, if you think about it, like, um, you know, you're probably going to want to have several of those uh, in the morning and, and probably as the day goes on, um, that's going to be key, certainly. And just, I guess, try to, try to find a way to stay coherent enough, certainly to know what's going on. I think that's, you know, in, in, in an unfamiliar city, that's always a concern, I guess, that you don't want to be in such rough shape that, you know, you're, you don't know where you are, you know, that type wow. of stuff. Um, but I have the utmost faith in our, in our teammates around us this weekend that, oh yeah, no, there's, we can, we'll look at, we'll look after each other. No, uh, there's, there's no way that, that everyone fails the buddy system. Like you gotta have everybody, heavyweights taught us best. I think that there will be good buddy systems. I think that there will be buddy systems that are assumed. Like you have so many factions, right? You have the, you have the Eau Claire, the, it's like a meeting of like the primaries of a presidential election, right? Different states, like the Eau Claire state, yeah. 
you have the Milwaukee State, the Florida State, lost Baum, actually. Um, you have the Ohio uh, Michigan district. Um, so it's just a melding of minds coming together. A few others I'm probably missing out. But still, like, it's, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's a big group. Like, I think that's the difference between our friend Eric's and this. It's like, Eric's, I think, what was five, six guys at most? Mm, it was more than that. It was probably like eight. Oh, maybe it was. But anyways, yeah. It, yeah, you're right. It was eight. And this is double that. And so I think that, yeah, cool, you have yeah. to, I think my best advice for something like that is really making sure that you don't necessarily like have to do like all 16 guys. It's like eight guys want to go to a bar. They want to go somewhere, you know, it, it, you don't have, everyone doesn't have to do everything. Like that's one of those things that I, yeah. I feel passionately about. I think when I was younger, I was a little more of a dick about that. And probably unnecessary, but as I've gotten older, I've just like, you know what, man, if you don't want to do this, like you don't have to, all right. Like if you want to go back to the VRBO, God bless you. If you want to stay at this bar, cause you're having a good time, you always meet the boys out later. Like, that's great. Like that happened to mine on like the first night when we, a couple of us went back to the harp and a few stayed at like Mojo and then everybody got back together. So it's like, I think the survival is just, yeah, making sure you don't get lost, knowing where you are, yeah. phones charged. That's, I mean, for me, that's a huge thing. Um, and just keeping, keeping that phone in a, in a good, in terms of that. But yeah, I, yeah. I think well, it'll be, and it's, but, it's hard about, it's hard to, to go 14 deep anywhere. Oh yeah. I mean, with or without COVID and stuff like that. I mean, you, it's tough to roll into I mean, you have to make a reservation for, for that type of group. Um, yeah. You know, and if there's a larger bar on Friday afternoon, um, you know, I, you know, greater detail for plans will be discussed when it, when it, you know, I'm sure in person oh, yeah. Thursday night um, and Friday morning about how we want to handle the Fen Fenway situation. I mean, it's uh, the Red Sox are in shambles at the moment. Um, <laughs> they can't play and defense. The, and, and, Milwaukee is, you know, not necessarily a marquee game on their, on their ledger. So, you know, I'm sure it'll be a fine crowd, it, but it's a small stadium. You know, how early do you want to go down there? It's, it's a touristy thing. There, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of Milwaukee people. Yeah. I know. There. I know another guy, another guy I know that's going this weekend. Um, it's yeah. I think it'll be, it's a perfect time to go. It's late July. Nothing's going – the only thing really going on in the city – well, there's a lot that we're missing in the city this weekend, but it's not like I'd rather be there than in Boston. So I, I can't really say nothing's going on here. Like Brady Street Days is Saturday, first time in three years. Brewfest is going on. Um, Hello. Yeah, German Fest is going on. So, like, there's shit to do around here, but still – it's not a bad weekend to get away because it's like middle of summer. You're in the dog days, like before school starts, before this, like, and now it'll be a little different because the MLB is going to a competitive schedule, but it's a great opportunity to show your kids an old stadium, you know? And I, I will say that there is something special about Fenway. It's weird that you go there and you're, even though it's been, commercialized and bastardized similar to Wrigley it has a Wrigley yeah. vibe to it and I think it has more of oh, a yeah. 
older vibe than, than from what I remember. And that's the other thing well, too. Like I, I went to Boston with my dad, did this whole whole trip, but it was 11 years ago. I have no fucking recollection. I mean, maybe some things will start clicking. The only thing I knew about Boston still is that they don't have happy hours. So like, they don't have happy hour specials because I guess they banned happy hours because they um, think they cause drunk driving or something like that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and that's probably what a bartender told you. Uh, don't I smoke mean, up your ass. Well, but no, I just, that's what I, I, heard. Say, I, I have. I have been to Wrigley before, so I'm guessing it's going to be similar to that in terms of like, you're just going to be walking and you're like, oh, there it is. Like, yeah. you don't really see it coming. It just kind of blends into the neighborhood. Um, that's kind of how those old stadiums are. Yeah. So they're not made for, they're not made for tailgating. So some of us, us fucking barefoot, backwards ass, fat ass Wisconsinites are not going to, are not going to be, it's, it's hard to, hard to comprehend, but I mean, it, it's possible that there are, you know, stadiums in the middle of cities that, are larger than ours and um you know it's a, it's a different type of atmosphere i suppose i mean we don't have that at our, at our baseball stadium where there's you know bars around I, you know we do with the with the box to some extent um, right and that's and that's part of the reason why so many people well not so many people and this is a topic for another day but like you know so many people are trying to push this beer district idea which i I have a lot of thoughts on, so I will save, but like, I don't know. I don't see it as much as, as others do. Um, I'll just give you, yeah. that's my, it's my like one sentence take on it. Um, so but yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun weekend, man. And I hope everybody gets there flight wise. And don't, you know, that's been such a clusterfuck that you're almost assuming it's going to go bad. Um, but hopefully it doesn't, hopefully that, every you know majority or everyone's able to make it out and yeah i've said on the podcast the daily tab a couple times this week if you see a podcast pop up on friday you text me and you tell me to delete that (laughs) because that that's not gonna do anybody any favors if we're a barn podcasting and that somehow gets its way to the internet can't have that right yeah no it'll be it'll be good i'm getting i'm 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 pumped yeah man i'm ready to roll should be fun. Look forward to the reviews on the social tab of the keg, tab of the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. Well, the reviews will not stop. I will promise you that we'll have reviews. I can't promise they will be as coherent as some of the other ones or as long, but we're still going to have reviews. We can't, can't just let that slip by. So um, definitely excited for that. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you next week on tab of the keg 470. Um, probably breaking down the deadline and who knows what else. And then, yeah, daily tap on Monday with my hang- my hungover corpse. So we'll be all right. But we'll uh, we'll talk then. All right, see you guys. Have a good sure. uh, good rest of the week, and uh, we'll see you Monday. Bye. Peace.